Good morning. Let's get our Bibles and find Luke chapter 4. If you did not bring a Bible, you can use your phone or your electronic device. And so look it up uh, on the internet. You can just type in Luke 4 and a couple of different uh, translations will come up. Generally, we use the New International Version, NIV, uh, most Sundays. Notice there is no TV. There's not going to be anything on the screen today. It's, it's old school, baby. We are just going to look at God's word in Luke chapter 4. And today, for Canada Day, Bonne fête du Canada, that nous sommes 151, that this is 151 years. Aren't you grateful to live in this great land? And so, with, with all of the celebrations and everything going on this weekend, it's had me thinking, what does God want for Canada? You see, that's our title today. Because when Jesus uh, started his ministry here on earth those many years ago, people were wondering this very thing. What does God want for us, for our lives, for, for our nation? What, what is he up to? What is Jesus trying to accomplish? What is his mission? And so to answer this question, what does God want for Canada, I think this passage of scripture that we are going to look at today is a pretty good start. Before we read Luke 4, it is also important to understand the context of this story. Jesus has returned, in this story, has returned to his hometown of Nazareth. And he goes to the synagogue as was his custom on the Sabbath. That's what we're about to read. That Jesus made it a priority to be in synagogue each weekend to come and be part of worship. And so as he did every weekend, he went into the synagogue and it was customary to have someone get up and read the scriptures for the day. And so Jesus is the guest reader for the day here in his home synagogue in the town of Nazareth. But when he gets up to read, he, he did not have an iPhone uh, to look up his scripture. He did not have a paper copy of the Old Testament scriptures like we have where many of you, if you brought your paper Bible, you know, you thumb through the pages to find the verse that you're looking for. But instead what they used were scrolls. And so that scroll is a long, long piece of leather with the, uh, with the writing on it and it's rolled up by two wooden dowels on each end. And so you would roll it closed and roll it back open in order to read it. This long, long sheet on two wooden dowels. And so with that in mind, let's read Luke chapter 4, verse 16. It says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, when it says unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The reason I want you to, to understand what this looks like is, again, he couldn't just 
thumb through the pages to find exactly what he was looking for, more often than not, what would likely happen is the scroll was unrolled for the reading of the day and then rolled right back up to the same place. And so it's very possible that Jesus didn't go searching for this particular passage of Scripture, but that literally it is where the reading was left off. But when he gets up that day, it has special power and significance. Because when he looks down, here are the words that he reads. Look at, look at verse 17. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. All of a sudden, everybody gets a little uncomfortable. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Mic drop, right? It's kind of like, <laughs> get a load of this. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so this weekend, as we celebrate living in a land of freedom, the true north, strong and free, for Jesus, that was what his mission was about, to proclaim good news to the poor. Everybody say, good news. Good news. And to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Everybody say, proclaim freedom. And, and recovery of sight to the blind, he says, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the Lord, uh, the year of the Lord's favor. And, and as Christians, we so often, we talk about this in relation to the word salvation. You know, in the church, often we talk about being saved by Jesus. But here is the question, what does that mean? What are we saved from? Well, we are saved from tyranny. We are saved from punishment. We are saved from getting what we deserve. We are saved from bondage. We are saved from the chains that used to enslave us. In other words, freedom. Freedom, that's what all this is about. That is the message and mission of Jesus. When we are saved, when we talk about salvation, we could just as well use the word freedom. More than just, when were you saved? What year were you saved? We could just as well say, when were you set free? Let me show you in scripture. John 8, 36, Jesus said, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. 2 Samuel 22, verse 48 and 49, he is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. Psalm 116, verse 16, O Lord, truly I am your servant. You have freed me from my chains. Psalm 118, 5, in my anguish I cried to the Lord, for you have set me free. Psalm 142, verse 6 and 7, listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Lord, rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Psalm 146, verse 7. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. 
Proverbs 11:21, be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished, but those who are righteous will go free. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Are you getting the idea here? Listen, Isaiah 49, verse 8 and 9. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, and to those who are in darkness, be free. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We talked about this last week, didn't we? That when we forget what kind of God we serve, we are tempted to run right back into the very slavery and bondage from which he freed us. If we're not careful, freedom, when we take it for granted, is something that we are willing to forfeit in order to get the things that the world says is better. But the world is a liar. The world is a liar. Don't forsake your freedom for the temporary pleasures and lies of this world. Hebrews 9:15 it continues. I mean I could read verse after verse after verse, but just a few more. For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed. John 8:32 Jesus said, "If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth" and the truth will set you what? Free. Free. Do I need to go on? See, this is what Jesus wants for all of us. And not just for one country or nation, not just for Canada. He wants this for every single person who lives on planet Earth. And John Stott says that there are, are two things that Christ came to free us from. First of all, he says, there is freedom from guilt. And secondly, that he wants to give us freedom from self-centeredness. Freedom from guilt and from self-centeredness. A leading British humanist was being interviewed on television. And in this interview, uh, she was debating with a Christian, a follower of Jesus. But all of a sudden, in a moment of honesty, it kind of took everybody by surprise. In a moment of vulnerability, she just stopped and she admitted. She said, do you know what I envy about you Christians the most? Your forgiveness. She said, I have no one to forgive me. And that's, she said, as an atheist, that's what it's about. She said, I, I have no way to be forgiven. That I have to carry this junk with me for the rest of my life. But the good news is that Jesus wants to forgive you and set you free. First of all, from our guilt. That's why he died on the cross. To take away the punishment that we deserve so that we can be free from the sins of our past. Let me ask you folks, isn't it good to be forgiven? Isn't that an amazing gift? How wonderful 
it is to be forgiven. But the second thing Stott said that we are forgiven from and freed from is our self-centeredness. William Temple says, here is the definition of being self-centered. I am the center of the world I see. And where the horizon is depends on where I stand. Education may make me, uh, my self-centeredness less disastrous by broadening my horizon of vision. Because again, you can only see the horizon from where you stand. But he says, so education can broaden your horizon. He said, but it's like a man climbing a tower who now sees further in terms of physical vision while remaining himself at the center and the standard of reference. For I am the center of the world I see. And folks, that's the problem. We tend to make ourselves the center of the universe. It is hard to see beyond me. And that so, so sounds like our world and like our country today. We, 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 we think of that the world revolves around me. But, but Jesus came to free us from that centered, self-centeredness, la, la tendance à être égocentrique, our selfishness. Jesus came to set us free from that. And that is what you see when you finally look at the cross. Because the cross is the ultimate example of self-sacrifice. Rather than just doing what's best for me, actually demonstrating love and putting others first. Jesus said there is no greater love than this, that a person die for his friend. And that's what he did for us. But here's the problem. See, when it comes to freedom, I think this is the problem we have, not just in Canada or the United States, but in particular, I think that, that in, in this Western hemisphere where we talk so much about freedom, I think that we often have a wrong idea about what freedom really is. That sometimes we think that freedom means that I should just be able to do whatever I want without any consequences, without having to worry about anybody else. That is not freedom at all. And when you understand what freedom really is, it changes everything. Here it is, listen. Freedom is not just being released from something. It is being released to become something. Don't miss this. Catch this now. F being free is not just what you are released from. It is what you are released to become. And think about it this way. Would you agree that if anybody could be considered totally free, it would be God? I mean, all of us, we have constraints on our life, but nobody, it seems, could be more free than God. God is the only one who can do absolutely anything, anything he wants. You can't fly like Superman. Wouldn't that be cool? But God can if he wants to. You cannot create a universe by a spoken word, but that's what God did. If there was anybody who could just do whatever he wants, it would be God, right? And yet, 
Is God really free to just do whatever he wants without any consequence? If that is the definition of freedom, then God is not. Because the Bible talks about some things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot sin. He cannot tempt or be tempted. And so get this, God's freedom still has boundaries. And here's why. God is free to live in accordance with his nature and purpose. God's freedom is found in being true to himself. And I want to give you an example. Have you been wondering what, what my little buddy is here for? You've just, you just been wondering why I brought... Does anybody know my fish friend's name? No, no that's his brother. This is Fred. <laughs> This is Fred the fish, my friend Fred. And Freddie, can, can he just live anywhere he wants? Let, let's say Freddie decides that, you know what, I'd like to live on top of a mountain. That probably wouldn't turn out too well for Fred, would it? If Fred said, you know, I would like to live up in a tree. I want to be like a bird. I'm going to live in a tree. That would not work out too well for Fred, would it? Why? Because he was designed to live in a particular context in a particular environment called water. And so as long as he is in water, God gave him the, the gills that are designed to filter the oxygen out of the water. That's how he breathes. I mean, really, being in water, that is, that is kind of what makes him a fish. But let's suppose that Freddie decides that he does not like the way that God designed him. He says, I don't like living in the water anymore. It's no fun. I, I should be able to do anything I want. I should be able to go anywhere I want. How dare God tell me how to live my life? How dare God try to impose these boundaries upon me? I do not want to live in my fishbowl anymore. And so one day, Freddie decides he's going to make a break for it. He, he, he makes an escape plan to get out of his tank. And so, so Freddie, he gets a, a swimming start, and he takes a flying leap into the air and shouts, freedom, splat. <laughs> what happens? Why? Because Freddie, as a fish, was designed to live in water. That was the environment in which God created him to live. And so as long as he is in those boundaries of water, within that environment, he can do whatever he wants, he can go wherever he wants, but Freddie's, Freddie's only true freedom is living in accordance with God's purpose for his life. And so what about human beings? If fish were made for water, what were you and I designed to live in? What is our environment? What is our context? I think the answer to that is love. We were created to live in the context of love. The Bible says that God is love and that we were created in his image with the capacity to both give 
and receive love. In fact, one day someone came to Jesus and asked, what is the greatest commandment? Or in other words, what is the purpose of life? Why are we even here? What does God want from us? And Jesus said the answer is this, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor. Everybody say, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said, that is what you and I were made for, to love God and to love others as we love ourselves. To be truly human is to give and receive love. That's what God wants for every Canadian, for every American, for every Nigerian, for every Mexican, for every Chinese person, for every Cuban, for every South African. Why? Because when we operate outside of the context of his love, the environment in which we were created to thrive, like a fish outside of water, when we are unloving to God, and when we are unloving to others, our freedom gets strangled. Our soul loses its ability to breathe. In order for our souls to breathe like a fish needs water, we need to give and receive love. Just like breathing, we need to give love and to receive love. It's the oxygen for our souls. And around here, we say that in a very specific way, don't we? That it's God's love that's in us to the world. Literally, it is the meaning of life itself. And listen, that is where we find freedom. It's not just, not just the freedom to do whatever I want without fear of consequence. It's not the freedom to just be selfish and make the world revolve around me, which is what we so often do. That literally the fact is that Jesus came to free us from our guilt, to free us from our self-centeredness, that we might live like Christ. See, it's not just freedom from, it's freedom to become like Jesus. Would you stand? Is it possible that you are here today and you need freedom. Maybe it's from your past, from your guilt, from your shame. You need Jesus to forgive you today. That's why we're here. Maybe you need freedom from some kind of bondage that has held you in your life. And today is the day that you need to give it to God and surrender to Him. After the service, after our time of worship, when we dismiss later on, we have a prayer team that's here for you every Sunday if you would like for someone to come and pray with you. But first, can I pray with you right now? And I just want to ask, as you close your eyes and just meditate upon God's presence, meditate upon God's word, 
I just want to ask you introspectively to ask yourself, is there anything or anywhere in your life right now where you are not free? In fact, even as I say that, the thought comes to my mind that for some, maybe where you are not free is in the area of bitterness and unforgiveness. That the reason you don't feel forgiven by God is because you have withheld forgiveness from someone who hurt you. And you need to give him that today. Maybe it's a particular sin that you've been struggling with and wrestling with and the shame that you carry today. You think you can never be free, but you need to understand today that is the very reason for which Jesus has come. It's to set you free. And so, Heavenly Father, all around this room right now, we just give it to you. Just right now in your heart, say, Father, I give it to you. I confess. And whatever it is that you have revealed to me today, I give it to you. I surrender to you. Forgive me and set me free from the chains. Set me free from my guilt. Set me free from my self-centeredness. That I might truly live as a child of God. As we read in Scripture, that we would run in the path of your commands. That we would delight in the truth of your word. That we would hunger for more of your presence. And that in our relationship with you, we would live free. That you would strengthen us even when we are tempted to run back to the chains of our past. And we pray for our country. We pray for this great land on the celebration of our 151st anniversary since Dominion. Lord, we pray for your wisdom for our leaders. We pray for our officials. We for, pray for parliament and all of the provincial leaders across this great land. We pray for our community leaders that you would give them wisdom as they seek to continue to provide for us a land where we can be free. But we know that no matter how politically free we are, what everybody needs is true spiritual freedom. We thank you for Jesus because it is only in Jesus that we can know your truth and your truth can set us free. In Jesus' name.